there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL Schedule Release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Hello and welcome to the MMQB NFL Podcast. I'm Gary Grambling. And I'm Connor Orr. Connor, we have a little something different coming up uh, later in the show, but we are obviously starting with this. This is supposed to be a quiet trade deadline, and instead we had uh, 78 trades on uh, you know, the, the three hours before the deadline came on Tuesday. Gary, it was the most trades on trade deadline day in NFL history. No. Yeah, that was a. I guess it was cool. <laughs> it was a lot of work for us, so now I'm all bummed out about it. I had it, to work. Yeah, you and I. Uh, I mean, whenever you and I fire a text uh, to one another at like 11:39 p.m., it's usually not a night where we're waking up the next morning feeling refreshed, mm, ready to go. That but, is the case. But it's podcast day, so I'm also refreshed and ready to go. It is. It, it'll be good. We are gonna run through the ones we have not talked about on the show yet which actually will uh 
Oh boy, that would start with the Roquan Smith deal, which we have right up top. I didn't do that intentionally. We have done this chronologically. I wanted to pair the Bears deals up top, but let's start with Roquan Smith going to the Ravens, uh, which I think we can both get behind at this point. And, and, you know, Patrick Queen is, I think, maybe moving in the right direction, but maybe not all the way there. But uh, regardless of that, now you have just an embarrassment of speed at your linebacking core if you're the Ravens. Yes. Um, and I understood I understood the move. So I graded as a C-plus for the Ravens only because I thought at this point you should have that. You shouldn't need to go get that. And I know that's like an unfair thing to punish mm-hmm. them retroactively for. I also thought they it's a pretty decent premium for an off-ball linebacker, right? It was a second and a fifth. I mean, that's not cheap. That was my takeaway. I loved it for the Bears, and I'm almost the complete opposite of, of everybody who's a trade grader by by trade, and anyone who went to college to grade <laughs> football <laughs> trades. Um, but uh, I felt like I, I loved it from a Bears perspective because this is Matt Eberflus walking into the locker room and saying, all right, I'm the defensive guru. I'll figure this shit out. We got to go get guys – for Justin Fields, because that's not fair. Like, that's, the, you know, Darnell Mooney and Velas Jones is not constitute an offense. So we're going to go help him out, and then I'm going to stay a little bit later, and I'm going to figure out how to replace Roquan Smith. That's how I felt like it was, and it did not bother me that you gain a second and then you ship it away, uh, because I think that Chase Claypool, and we'll get to that in a little bit, well, I'll save my Chase Claypool take. For right now, Roquan Smith, that's a luxury that you don't, need right now as the bears like you're i mean you gave up what 45 points to the cowboys last week with roquan smith so what does that matter Uh, you know at at the end of the day you need picks this roster you need a lot a lot a lot of not just first and second round picks but you need a ton of midday picks because you got to hit on some of these guys yeah from from a broad standpoint i'm disappointed that the bears you know, kind of tore it down to an extent. I thought it would have been cool if they just sort of hung around and played in a, a playoff game this year. Uh, I get what's going on here. And, you know, we talked about it around draft time last year. It was it was like the luxury of having Matt Eberflus is you don't necessarily need to load up with an all-pro defense here. He got it done with a much less than all-pro group in, uh, in Indianapolis until they went and got DeForest Buckner. Uh, Shaquille Leonard uh, excluded there. But... Uh, they can kind of figure it out defensively, and yeah, I like the—I I think we're both in agreement here. I really like the Chase Claypool deal. Uh, I like it for both sides. I think the Steelers are getting a reasonable return. Uh, you know, we know their history with drafting wide receivers. They seem to have another one in George Pickens here. They've already signed Deontay Johnson. Uh, I don't know if you necessarily, <laughs> you necessarily need—well, uh, let me put it this way. You have three really good receivers on the roster, and you have a really bad team. So right. it's probably time to move those resources elsewhere for the Steelers. And I think a, a second-round pick is 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 a fine return for Chase Claypool. It's just sort of shitty, right, that like hanging on to Ben Roethlisberger for so long now makes this a sensible 
maneuver, right? Where it's mm. like, well, Kenny Pickett's not going to be able to maximize these guys. And it's like, well, yeah, but that's your fault, you know? Uh, and it's really the owner's fault for hanging on to Ben Roethlisberger for too long. If you had a sweet, ready-to-go quarterback right now, we'd all be saying, oh, my God, they have Chase Claypool and George Pickens and Deontay Johnson. Like, what an amazing receiving core. And now, instead, it's like, ah, we got a lot of guys and just, you know, we got a lot of – um What's the analogy here? I was thinking something like, you know, we got a lot of soon-to-expire ripe fruit, but no blender to make a smoothie. Uh, no? <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, I can get lot, behind that. We got a lot of taco meat, but no taco shells. And okay. so we should just give away the taco meat, you know? <laughs> you just walk over to your neighbor's house and just hand it, start handing it to people. Find somebody who has uh, taco shells, let them do what they want with the meat yeah yeah you know okay. let them let them be their own meat captain um but uh yeah i mean i don't know i i loved it from the bears perspective because i mean you and i talked about the idea of chase claypool adding something behind the line of scrimmage uh which there's no doubt um albert breer our um our senior nfl reporter noted that they see him in sort of an alan lazard kind of player mm-hmm. if the blocking gets there because alan lazard is a top five blocker in in my mind like at least in terms of willingness if you could get chase claypool there awesome um but i just think by virtue of having a pure burner that's gonna scare people it takes one more guy out of the box so when justin fields runs there's one less guy that's gonna tackle him i mean yeah this is all math at this point and if even if you had chase claypool run a go route on every single play he's more he's more valuable than having a guy where people aren't really worried about him you know so i i think it's a good thing no i think that makes a lot of sense uh i'm with you he is not an alan lazard caliber blocker however he's he's so much more dynamic uh with the ball in his hands than lazard is uh and it just gives you it gives you some options he can do a lot of things that darnell mooney cannot and that's really that's that's what you're building around for a receiving core right now. And, you know, it was Darno Mooney and kind of some dudes. Uh, Vilas Jones has had some moments. But, uh, you know, Chase Claypool is just better. He's a better yeah. long term prospect. And uh, uh, reportedly the the Packers, correct, were, were in on Claypool as well but couldn't, uh, couldn't match the asking price that the Bears had, um, which was giving up. And, and we should be clear on this because I think a few people had it wrong, and then we echoed the wrongness on our, on our internet website. Uh, it is the Bears' second-round pick going to Pittsburgh as opposed to the one they got from the Ravens uh, because they, uh, they had to give up the, the better second-round pick or what's projected to be the better second-round pick. Yes, Um that was a uh, that was a falsehood I perpetrated on the internet. Yeah. Mm. I mean, media, when man. Uh, well, I'll say this: when Elon takes my blue check mark away, um, I'm probably not getting it back, and that's fine. <laughs> I'm so done. I'm so ready to be done. God, it's, it's going to be great. Oh, Elon, what a what a plan he's got for this uh, for this thing that he bought for a lot of money. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Let's move on to uh, this one's fascinating for a number of reasons. Uh, Bradley Chubb goes to the Dolphins from Denver. Uh, it is the first round pick that is owned by the 49ers. So you would presume probably something in, in the bottom third of the first round. Uh, also, Chase Edmonds goes to uh, Denver and the 
Dolphins pick up, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, no, they also sent a fourth-round pick. Hang on, no. <laughs> Shit. Keep rolling, Gary. Okay. You got this. Hang Let's on, go. Hang on. I've never sworn on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> the Dolphins get Chubb and a 2024 fourth-rounder. Right? They give up Chase Edmonds and the 49ers first-round pick. Correct. Man. That's why it's fascinating to me. I just couldn't figure out uh, what was actually being traded. And A lot now of I moving parts here. A lot of moving parts. Um, I mean, the running backs all make sense, right? Mike McDaniel, Jeff Wilson, they've worked yep. together. They know the offense. Uh, I think that's a good trade. Great moment for the running back position. Uh, yeah. Uh, this entire trade trade deadline. Um, that that whole thing makes sense to me. Bradley Chubb, I have no problem adding another good pass rusher. I feel like any chance you, time you get the opportunity to do it, you should do it. But it's a lot of, I mean, and I guess you saw the 49ers getting good, right? So you think it's going to be a late first round pick anyway. I'm not going to get a good pass rusher at that point, and that's what we need, so you go get it. Makes sense. Is Chubb the guy that you feel comfortable trading a first-round pick for. I mean, every one of these moves is a gamble. This doesn't feel like nearly the sure thing that a lot of people I felt like thought it was a sure thing yesterday. The one thing that I can't really get a handle on is uh, how good is Bradley Chubb? Right. Uh, we have I, no I, idea. I, yep. I think he's I think he's good. I, I don't think this is a matter of getting a guy that you're going to be like, oh, wait, he's like our fourth pass rusher. No, I mean, he's, he's a starter. He's probably a quality starter. I don't know... How good, though? Uh, I don't know if he's necessarily difference-making, but the thing it presents uh, as an option now for the Dolphins, who, I mean, the Dolphins are so blitz-heavy, and that's in part by necessity, because you have Jalen Phillips, and you really don't have a whole lot else uh, as far as sort of, you know, just natural edge rushers go. Uh, So now you have two, uh, and I think Jalen Phillips probably has a higher long-term ceiling, but I think right now I'd for the sake of laziness, I'll just say Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb are probably two like you know B plus type of uh, yeah uh, type of pass rushers. You have one on each side. Maybe that means you know double team for one and not the other, and then that guy can do some work in in uh, you know in, in singled up situations. But uh, they kind of they're so they're they've been hit hard by injuries in the secondary. And I think they do need to figure out a way to do this without having to send a fifth rusher constantly. And this theoretically gets them closer to being able to do that. I just, I don't know if it's going to be enough, though. It's weird. Like, he he wins a lot. I mean, you also have, like, you have Mark Ingram there. Like, you know, or Melvin Ingram, sorry. Um, So, I you know, it could work, theoretically, like I think, right? Um, But he... He wins a lot, um, especially this year, um, but does not draw a ton of double teams. And I thought that was interesting in Denver. You know, Randy Gregory, you know, did you did you draw more after Randy Gregory? I didn't see the split exactly there, but, you know, he's not a guy that you feel like you have to double team from the jump. And so it's like that to me personally is is the first round pick threshold where it's like, is he going to mess up what they have to do from a blocking perspective, right? That's yeah. at least how I kind of think about it. Or is it like, is it a guy that you stick your left tackle on and it's like, okay, you know, big boy time, let's see if you can handle it. And I feel like that's sort of more, 
I think Chubb is right on that threshold. Now, maybe Mike McDaniel, uh, Boyer, they unlock something in him, which is totally possible, by the way. Um, I think the tools are there, and he's a gigantic human being. And I think this could... And with Von Miller, you see that he took some of those moves from him. Mm -hmm. Like, he really does. He has the moveset. So maybe it's all there, raw materials, and this is a gamble on, hey, we're going to make this work, and he's going to stay healthy. Yeah. Yeah, and... The other thing that's really interesting to me is just speaking more broadly about where the Dolphins are right now. Uh, when we were coming into the season, it was kind of like, okay, well, they got Tyreek Hill, and now they get to see if, if Tua Tungavailoa is going to be the answer there at quarterback. And it looks like the answer is probably yes at this point. Now the question is, all right, well, you know, we're, we're, not, we're not making a move at quarterback. Uh, there's not even one available to us should we, should we decide to. Um they have a window. I just don't know what the team's ceiling is. Uh, but this might be the ceiling right now because I, I don't want to. I don't want to overstate this. Uh, but there's something of a Tyreek Hill window that they're looking at, and people age differently than they used to. So we can't say anything in definitive terms. But Tyreek Hill does not profile as a guy who will age well, uh, and he might be a soft tissue injury away from really being far less effective than he's been to this point uh, in 2022, which has been, I mean, he's been a superstar. He has been as valuable as any non-quarterback in the league yep. uh, so far in his Dolphins career. But uh, when that goes away, it just feels like they're, again, it's it's a, it's, you know, relatively limited what you can do offensively. I'm calling uh, it's a, Rohan. It's, I'm calling I, him. Rohan's going to be so upset. Um, clip it. <laughs> it's, it's relatively limited with what you're going to be able to do offensively. And when Tyreek Hill is no longer Tyreek Hill, have you, you know, were you basically walking this tightrope and now you've kind of fallen off the tightrope and instead of being, uh, you know, top 10 to 12 offense, now you're like a top 20 to 25 offense and your defense is kind of middling and all of a sudden you're, you know, you're whatever you're in. Seven and ten to nine and nine and eight type of range there. So uh, it's like it's a window. I just don't know what the window is. Like I don't know what it's opening to. Yeah, it's um, it's like uh, well, one of the Saw movies that I saw. I can't maybe Saw three. Do you ever okay. see any of the Saw movies? No, but I, I I know what they are. They're saws and. You have to saw your your body parts off or whatever to escape. <laughs> is my impression. Um, n no, but um, <laughs> so I mean, you know, he this guy kidnaps everybody and throws them in a house, and you got to do scary things to get out. And then, I mean, I'm not explaining it any better than you are, but like some, you know, sometimes <laughs> they're like, oh, well, let's just leave the door that we came in, and they open it, and then you know, they open the window, and then it's bricked over, you know, so. Maybe the Dolphins are just like, we went on this circuitous, circuitous journey to like fix Tua Tungavailoa and illegally tamper and try to hire Sean Payton and get Tom Brady. And then we're going to run around and get Tyreek mm. Hill. And then we open the window and we still can't get out because we're the Miami Dolphins. And yeah. we're going to finish eight and nine and Rohan's never going to stop texting us about the Dolphins. <laughs> They also, as you mentioned earlier, they they got uh, Jeff Wilson, which, uh, as you said, it, it it makes sense, and it's you can drop trade. him. Yeah, you, you can you can drop him in there, and uh, he was expendable for the 49ers with Christian McCaffrey in there, and you know he knows the system, and uh, he and Mike McDaniel reunite. 
Indeed. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have ticked it off? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL Schedule Release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's go on TJ Hawkinson uh, for some... I'm just going to really give up on these. A bunch of pick swaps. (laughs) Lions move up in some picks and uh they send TJ Hawkinson to the to the Vikings here. Uh bummer for the Lions. Uh this whole yeah. year has been a bummer for the Lions. Um I don't know, man. It's it's like we're tearing this thing down again. Yeah. But here so here's my I'm gonna try to really galaxy brain this thing, so follow along. Um TJ Hawkinson, you probably drafted. I mean, when you took him, right, this was the height of Kelsey and Kittle. You're hoping that that's going to be the guy. Um, He is not. And Dan Campbell has said this at press conferences. 
He's not a good run blocker. Has not been a good run blocker in the NFL. Not as good as you need him to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're the Lions, let's let's play devil's advocate and say they're determined to keep this going with Dan Campbell. Um, you have a great offensive line. Um, and so even if you drafted a handsy tight end who's not a good blocker, Panay Sewell or Taylor Decker helps him enough where you could get the job done, right? Yeah. And you can negate the bad blocking. So you don't want to extend Hawkinson, so that's kind of what you're thinking, right? Maybe that's the route that you go. Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's maybe that's your devil's advocate. The other side of this is like, if you're Dan Campbell, are you just kind of like, well, that about sealed it, you know? And can you blame Dan? Because, listen, this is a former NFL tight end. And I'm not saying that he's got time to fix TJ Hawkinson, but like, he should be able to hire a pretty damn good position coach who can fix TJ Hawkinson, you know, and, or, or maximize him. But yeah, I don't think we saw any of that, you know? So I don't know. I think Hawkinson's just been okay um, with the lions and the Vikings are, again, it's sort of like the Chubb thing, right? They're gambling that they can make him more than okay, but they also just needed a tight end. I mean, Irv Smith got hurt and yep. they, they have to have a guy and Hawkinson is probably your definition of a guy at this point. Yeah. No, I'm uh, I'm totally fine with this from the from the Vikings standpoint. Uh, totally logical. That's not really that much draft capital to give up to uh to address what became a need. But oh man, these do you Detroit care that Lions. they're trading with a division rival constantly? No, no. I know a lot of people do. Um, or it seems. I mean, no, and, and you you've written this at least once. Uh, well, you, I mean, you say it. It's your thought, but I agree with it. What's that? That it's just like there's so many avenues to the playoffs. You don't. It's cool to win the division, I guess, Correct. but there's so many avenues to the playoffs. Like I don't know. And and it's like oh, we see him twice a year. It's like, well, if you're trading him, you probably don't mind seeing him twice a year. Right. Yeah. I mean, and again, it's like it, it could work the other way around. Where if you just smash the Lions' heads in with T.J. Hawkinson next year, it it really. It, it, it demoralizes them a little bit, I think. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Buffalo, where the Bills get uh, they get Dean Marlowe back in the secondary. Uh, nice, uh, nice move there, I guess. I I like Dean Marlowe fine. <laughs> uh, but the the bigger one was obviously Naheem Hines uh, from Indianapolis. Here, uh, we'll start with the Bills side of this, and then we'll we'll talk about the Colts, and we also have to talk about a uh, coach firing with the Colts. But. Uh, yeah, look, the Bills have very much been in the market for that check down back. As Connor Orr branded it, it's the year of the check down in the NFL. Uh, they tried to get J.D. McKissick. Uh, it, you know, McKissick ended up uh, changing his mind, going back to Washington. They were in it for Christian McCaffrey. Just didn't uh, want to give up what they had to give up. Uh, so they get Naheem Hines, who is, uh, yeah, he's a step down from McCaffrey, but he's still really good. Uh, they drafted James Cook. This is the only mild disappointment I feel is like, well, James Cook is coming off his best game as a pro probably, and it felt like, all right, well, maybe you have something going on here with uh, with James Cook, and he'll still have a role going forward. But obviously, they wanted someone a little more reliable, and frankly, probably a little bit better uh, at this very moment, and that is Naheem Hines. I keep thinking about. And I feel like I've said this like 11 times, so I don't know if I'm yelling on other radio stations or if I'm just telling my wife this like in our sleep or my kids, but who? how are you going to defend 
the two of them coming out of the backfield together. Like Josh Allen rolling out and Hines is down there ready to take a check down. Like they're just two of the most stylistically different human beings in the NFL. Like one is a small burner who you're going to need a very specific kind of person to be able to bring down or group of people. And one is a, the brawny paper towel man that's going to be carrying the ball into the secondary and that like with the ax, you know, so very Mm -hmm. hard to bring down. Um, and so how do you how do you account for that? Because, you know, a linebacker is not going to get it done on Hines, theoretically. I mean, you're going to have to have a good linebacker to chase him, cover him. Uh, and, and a cornerback's not going to be able to tackle Josh Allen. So it's like, what do you do there? You know, do you is Mark Barron still in the NFL? Do you just go get Mark Barron? <laughs> is he still in the NFL? I don't think no. so. Can't be. No, he he had a he had a nice run in a couple of spots. I think he was in Pittsburgh last and um, Denver last. Yeah, twenty twenty played the pandemic year with the Broncos. Okay, all right. Mark Barron and I are like the same age. How about that? Huh. Interesting. Okay. He had a way better NFL career than I did. He did. Uh, <laughs> the, boy, the the <laughs> I don't know why I said. That. Just to be clear, I agree with that. Uh, <laughs> I'll always remember Mark Barron for being the. Uh, this is going to be such an Andy Miller take, but I, I agree with him one hundred percent, and it's one of his least popular takes. Uh, the tackle eligible touchdowns, and there was there was like a run uh, back when Barron was, I think, still in Pittsburgh. Maybe he was in L.A. at that point. Maybe he was with the Rams, but uh, Detroit did one. And there was just all sorts of confusion with, like, the official announcement of who was eligible didn't really come through. And uh, there was just a really frustrated Mark Barron, like, walking around the field being like, this is this is just stupid. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, that's what I remember about Mark Barron's career. I remember Mark Barron being the guy that changed from safety to linebacker but could also play safety and could also play linebacker. And then... There was like like every NFL, like that combine year, right? We were all writing the same stories, like mm-hmm. the future of the NFL is bye-bye-bye. And then it was like, yeah, or, or just get good safeties and good linebackers, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, but, two, yeah. you know, three-time first, three-time first-team All-SEC, Mark Barron, to you. Good. That's something. That's it. That's something right there. Yeah. Uh, We'll talk about it. Let's talk about the Colts. Somewhat briefly, uh, as Jim Irsay becomes <laughs> just the most the most powerful human on the planet here over the last couple of weeks, yeah. Uh, between the the Dan Snyder criticism, which which may result in the Commanders maybe selling after all, uh, but in this case, so Jim Irsay, it's clear he uh, he at least was in the conversation about moving on from Matt Ryan and and playing some Sam Ellinger down the uh, down the stretch here. Uh, now the Colts move away from a reliable weapon for their young quarterback. Uh, and, and again, I don't know where this would have ended up, but it doesn't, it doesn't help your young quarterback do this. Uh, but also they, uh, they have fired Marcus Brady, uh, in a (laughs) sort of bizarre emoji usage. Uh, Jim Irsay had tweeted on, uh, uh, Tuesday morning. This morning, we relieved Marcus Brady of his duties as offensive coordinator. I wish this good man all the best. Thumbs up emoji. Uh, so there's stuff going on here. I don't. Uh, 
it didn't go well offensively this year. Uh, went really poorly offensively. So, yes, the offense coordinator bears some responsibility for that. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Marcus Brady's a, a pretty well-respected coach. This doesn't quite have the vibes of uh, uh, when the Jaguars were like, wait a second, Blake Bortles is not going to be a multiple-time MVP? Like, get Nathaniel Hackett out of here. Like, we only we only put up 45 points in Pittsburgh in a playoff game with Blake Bortles? No way. Like, we need a better offense coordinator. But uh, it just seems like kind of the thing you look at, and it's, it's like, I don't know if getting rid of him helps. It just seems like something you do to appease some small faction of, you know, angry fans. It's a He's a non-play-calling coordinator. Like, yeah. So it's like, who are you ultimately mad at right and sure i mean if you're frank reich right and and this is just completely hypothetical i'm not i don't know anything i'm not saying i know anything sometimes how this stuff works is right you are the you are the presenter of the offense if you're frank reich and you're taking things from everybody um throughout the week and so maybe what he was getting from marcus brady is not good but like that's also you being a head coach and being like hey just you know do this better or do it differently or I don't know. I mean, but again, we don't know what's going on. We don't know what the inner workings of the team are. What I do know, right, is that he was well loved there as of like six weeks ago. And, um, you know, Chris Ballard loved him. You know, I think he had a lot of fans in that building. So I don't know what's going on there. Um, but uh, it doesn't seem great. Yeah. Things getting a little bit weird uh, in an already disappointing year in Indianapolis there. Uh the most shocking trade of the day is Calvin Ridley uh, going out to Jacksonville for a conditional pick that can uh, they look if it works out they basically lose like a second rounder. Uh, obviously, Ridley is not going to play in 2022. They, as we know, they brought in Christian Kirk, brought in Zay Jones, brought in a whole bunch of receivers who are more like complementary guys. I think Calvin Ridley is a legitimate number one receiver. Uh, I, as we all do, have a just passion for stylistic uh, compliments. I don't think he's quite that for Christian Kirk, but uh, you got something here. I mean, if, if he's going to be reinstated and come back and play like he had been in Atlanta, yeah, this is a nice pickup for the Jaguars here. Yeah, I mean, he's a really good wide receiver. I I, I had thought about putting him on my... Um on my trade deadline primer, but then I was like, I, I, I just, I, I didn't know if any team would actually do it. But then I went back and I remember there was a, an interview with Arthur Blank before the suspension because Calvin Ridley had been taking time to, uh, to take care of his mental health, which mm-hmm. is great. Um, and, uh, Arthur Blank had said, like, I think, you know, ultimately, right. It might just be best for everybody. Like if, and, and I, I do think Arthur Blank actually does care but like i think he said like it might just be better for him to play somewhere else so i think even before the suspension they were talking about trading him right and and getting him to a new spot and so it's like yeah yeah i I think it makes some sense if you're the jaguars just economically right i mean you're cutting the line and you know if you got something there you know you you get to give it a little test run before you got to throw christian kirk money at it and that's okay yep i don't i don't see a problem with that yeah, the the way his contract works out, uh, basically he'll be in a contract year next year for uh, right. for Jacksonville on the the fifth year option on his original rookie deal here. Uh, man, there are a lot of people. <laughs> and Trevor Lawrence didn't play well last week uh, in London, and 
he has obviously, uh, you know, he's made a handful of mistakes in the red zone this year. People are, I feel like, starting to jump off the Trevor Lawrence bandwagon uh, at a time when you should not be jumping off the Trevor Lawrence bandwagon. Of all uh, the things you should be buying in this economy right now, it's Trevor Lawrence. Trevor stock. Lawrence's. More Trevor Lawrence's. Yes. Uh, two more to go here, Connor. Uh, defensive backs, I I was, uh, I, I, I I don't know. I felt a little bit of warmth in my heart. William Jackson, the third going to the Steelers from, uh, from Washington. He's not the player he once was. I will say like over the last decade, the two defensive backs, I loved more than uh, maybe anything in the world. Uh, that would be William Jackson and also, uh, Akella Witherspoon. So mm. as far as I'm concerned, the Steelers now have like prime Darrell Revis on one side and on the other side, like, uh, prime Darrell Revis's taller, faster, smarter twin brother. Wow. <laughs> okay. That's that's a, that's all I have on the William Jackson trade. I did. I yeah, sure. Put him in. I, I, I you know maybe you get like a James Bradbury type of performance out of him. Sure. I don't know why not. You know, I mean, some of these guys age really well. I mean, look at Darius Slay. A different different kind of player, but mm-hmm. he was basically cooked in uh, in Detroit. But this, I I love it. It's Mike Tomlin just saying, um, "I want to play man defense," and uh, he's going to get to play man defense. But so this is my analogy with Pittsburgh that I was workshopping all day yesterday and didn't get to um, I didn't get to write it or anything, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it wasn't good enough to make a blog. So here we are in the podcast uh, talking about it. But Steelers reminded me of like your parent like not your parents but like parents in general um who are very set in their ways but you take them to like i remember going with my parents to uh a sushi slash high-end japanese steakhouse okay and my parents don't like any of those things and um my dad just ordered like the same thing that he orders at every it's just like yeah i'll take some grilled chicken and uh broccoli you know and uh <laughs> yep. he's like, he's like yeah we're at this place it's like nope and uh, that's the Steelers. It's just like, I want veteran man coverage cornerbacks. And it's like, yeah, but people are doing all these cool things. With nope. Veteran man coverage cornerbacks. And it's like, okay, you're, you're going to be you, Pittsburgh, you know? Get, yeah, get, get, the, get the new Joe Hayden in here. That's right. Uh, and the last one we have here, this is Rashad Fenton going to the Falcons uh, for a conditional seven-round pick uh, from Kansas City. I, I guess he kind of became... Uh, you know, expendable. expendable in Kansas City with uh, Jalen Watson playing better and and uh, some of their young guys ready to take on bigger roles. Uh, I I don't want to uh, I don't want to say anything negative about Fenton. I I think uh, he's probably not a starting caliber cornerback in the league. I think he's like your number three or four guy, which is fine. Uh, and he was thrown out there. I I talked about this with uh, Traverius Ward going to free agency last year. Um, it's it's really difficult to play cornerback in Kansas City it's a tough job so uh I like that he's getting a change of scenery and maybe he sort of uh puts himself in that mix of uh being in that you know sort of running the middle number two cornerback somewhere in the league because certainly the Falcons need help in the secondary right now yeah you know I I mean I had admittedly not thought a great deal about Rashad not not like just at all like just the name that didn't you know you have to go back and you have to watch some Rashad Fenton if you're going to write about him. You know, it's not one of those mm-hmm. things where I've, you know, you, you try to know as much as you can about everybody in the league, but it's not like, yeah, I got 800 words in Rash- about Rashad Fenton in me. You know, it's like, now let me go back and 
and look and you know I, he's he's a feisty guy you know i mean he's he's one of those players that's like okay i'm not uncomfortable with him on the field you know yes. like he's he's okay and uh you know I, I he was matched up against jamar chase in the playoffs for some of these um uh for for some of the targets you know so it's not one of those guys that you're actively trying to like super aggressively hide and hope that they don't do anything yeah. and like he helps in the in tackling he's coming up to the line and getting people so it's like yeah i mean if you're atlanta you're just been you've just been decimated by injury at that position so you just need you need professional guys those are the three things working against rashad fenton uh number one being in kansas city that scheme uh lots of lots of blitzing lots of you know you're out there on an island type of stuff uh number two the chiefs are always on sunday night football or you know big yes. playoff games or the yes. or the 425 window so you're always out there he also seems to be very uh, feisty is is the way to put it he he seems to be very demonstrative with his uh with his uh, you know trash talking type approach which i think also makes him something of a target there but uh it's just it's tough to it's all unfair and it's tough to sort of like win from a uh let's say reputation standpoint with those factors working against you i i would be i would be the worst college scouting director ever but if a cornerback didn't wag his finger at people after every <laughs> completion i wouldn't draft him i'd be like nope this guy doesn't love football enough because he's not not finger wagging the guys that you really want to me are the ones where they had nothing to do with it i remember um, yeah uh kyle uh he was a Jets slot cornerback it was kyle wilson i think kyle wilson uh, yep yeah and would always do that, like wag his finger at somebody when it was like a 40-foot overthrow. And yeah. you're just like, that's the guy I need. It's a guy that's so crazy that he thinks that he was somehow responsible for this. Or you're just annoying the bejesus out of the other wide receiver, which I mm-hmm. think it has an inherent value to that. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what so. I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it? <laughs> 
Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL Schedule Release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. I haven't been honest with you. I brought a guest. Again? (laughs) It's happening. Golly. Welcome to the show. Is it it Datwin, finally? (laughs) Oh, no. That's right. We we have promised Datwin for a long time at this point. I'm working on it, by the way. Oh, my God. Just to give everyone an update, I've friended (laughs) Datwin on LinkedIn, and uh, uh, he is a – he's like a owner-operator of a Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Um, And so I let him know that our listener base – is clamoring for an appearance and uh he has yet to i think i got the check mark like he saw the message and then was just like nope um, that was but... that was the most acknowledgement of your existence that you will get from him well we're gonna work on it i'm not uh you know every everybody has a white whale and uh we're gonna we're gonna keep going <laughs> well we don't have dat and win we have the next best thing i guess uh <laughs> Welcome, Tyler Dunn. Uh, now I, I, we, we have to we have to get uh, all the information in at the top here. Uh, so Ty, as as a lot of you probably already know, uh, go long, which you can get it in newsletter form as I do uh, as a subscriber, or you can go to golongtd.com. Uh, but the main reason we have Ty here is because he has written a book, The Blood and Guts. How tight ends save football, and uh, man, we have a just <laughs> ridiculous segment coming up for you, Ty. <laughs> the more ridiculous, the better. I'm sorry, I'm not that win, um, but I'll I'll try my best, right? I'll try my best, and just uh, it, it's awesome to see you, Connor. It's been way too long. I know, buddy, and and Gary, it's great to meet you in the virtual sense. Mm-hmm. Um, God, big. Long-time listener, first-time, uh, you know, <laughs> Cole Potter here, so thank you so much. I was going to say, the cool thing about Tyler's newsletter, right, is you can get it on Go Long TD. You can get it in newsletter form in your inbox. Or if you went to college with him like I did, you can call him at 6 in the morning, and he will read it to you over the phone. So that's um, that, to me, is sort of the preferred method. Uh, I know Tyler makes that work around his bustling family life, which I appreciate because I, I just like, I like to hear Tyler's voice in the morning. Hey, you know what? Serafino's been getting up at four, four thirty. Like I was telling you, you know, we were texting the other night. So let's let's make it four, right? That, that that's the VIP special, you know, for a few extra bucks. That's right. We'll call you. We'll call you up at four a.m. and we'll just start 
you know, breaking down Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> That's what everybody wants to hear at 4 a.m. Why are the Packers three and five? And why does their quarterback take zero accountability? They'll wake you up in the morning. There you go. That's why you subscribe to the OnlyFans. So, uh, <laughs> Oh, that's that's a whole other one. Uh. <laughs> All right, uh, can we? Th- so, Tyler, this is it's such a great uh, book. By the way, I encourage everybody to run out and buy it. And if you know Tyler, if you know his writing, I mean, he's done stuff on some of the grittiest players in the NFL, Richie Incognito, like the the fullbacks of the world, the the NFL's like toughness underbelly. I feel like he's like a doctoral student on. So I would say if there's <laughs> e- if there's ever a perfect marriage of subject and subject matter, it's this book. But we're gonna throw some tight ends at you, Tyler, because this is what this book is all about, and you got to tell us some of the coolest shit about these guys. That's what we want to hear. You get me, Connor. You get my football soul. <laughs> I, I could not have said it better myself. Thank, thank you so much. You're right. Throwing, throwing the bush lattes back with Andy Janovich, or you know, we went to your boy Wyatt Teller's whiskey bar at Go Along. So it just Ooh. seemed right. Like it, the tight end, you got to do it all. It's the purity of the sport. It's what we love about football. So this cross country tour, hanging out with Dicka and the whole gang, man, it's been a hell of a ride. So that, thank you. Let, let's let it riff, man. I'm, I'm ready when you are. Connor, do you want to go first? We're just gonna. So what we're gonna do? We're just gonna throw out tight end names. Uh, maybe, maybe in the book, maybe not. Ooh. And uh, you'll just have to give us. You got to give us something. Uh, and like you know, like we said in the pre-show, anecdote is great. But if you want to give us like the second best anecdote, so that people will go read the book for the best anecdote, you can do that too. I like it. No, we'll, we'll, I'll try to think on my feet. So it's good to know it's not like rapid fire. There's not a shot clock. Mm. So if, if something. Comes to mind, or is it? Is it? You want you want to go we'll in and see. out? You tell me. Okay. We'll I was see. gonna say if if you know Gary Gary might throw the Chappelle show wrap it up box on here on here. I don't know. Um, I'm gonna go out <laughs> of order though, sketch. Gary, because I like it. I'm gonna go out of order because um, one of these uh, one of these players is is very near and dear to my heart, and I actually got um, my second kiss uh, wearing the jersey of this person. Isn't that wild? <laughs> Wow. Wow. I remember. Yeah, that is. All right. And you, wore, it's, and it's, you wore this jersey at your wedding, too. I don't know. <laughs> Not where anyone could see it. Um, so, I, all right. And, and I read uh, the, there's an excerpt of this um, in the New York Post, too, which is really great. But Jeremy Shockey is the guy to me that. I think people of a certain age just associate. I mean, there was that. There was this great. Remember the Sports Illustrated article about him where he was doing crunches in his room and vomiting, and like he's just like a complete and total uh, wackadoo. But what what can you tell me about Jeremy Shockey? Because I just love the idea that you can go to a bar one day and there's Jeremy Shockey, like, uh, and he's just hanging out and looking terrifying. Hey, if you're going to talk to Jeremy Shockey for a book on the great American tight end, you better do it at Yard House down in Miami Beach. His bar, his territory, you know, throwing a drink or two or three back and just hearing <laughs> all the crazy stuff. I mean, I don't know where you would even begin. I mean, there's we could talk about bar fights. You know, as, as a high school senior, a dude throws a bottle at him. He kind of reenacted the whole scene when we were talking. He just dumped <laughs> his head and the bottle whizzed over his head. And he avoided it like the Matrix. And he said the guy came after him next. And then Jeremy Shockey just beat the ever-loving piss out of this guy. I mean, he's in high school still. <laughs> this guy's older than him, and, and Jeremy's reenacted it. Like, one shot, boom, broke his face. 
And if I remember correctly, his victim to get his face fixed went to get medical care. And the nurse who greeted him was actually Jeremy Shockey's mom. So she's like covering up her name. So the guy <laughs> wouldn't connect. Who oh, to man. Uh, uh. <laughs> um, so he's like, I said, yeah, Jer- he couldn't believe that I've never been in a fight. Like that's how we started the conversation. Like, You've never been in a fight. He was just incredulous. Like how, how could you never have gotten into a fight? Um, but he's still at it, you know, not, not necessarily in the States because of litigation and whatnot, but you know, down in Brazil, his presence is known. He's a world traveler. I, I feel like Jeremy Shockey, what people should really take is he lived hard. He partied hard. I mean, he just lived like there was no tomorrow. And I think that those, I mean, at the U, from the U to the Giants. Sure. You know, when he's getting into fights with Ed Reed, he's bringing the swag back. Like, it was contagious. Like, he, he really was at the at the eye of the storm, kind of bringing that program back. And, and everybody loved him for it. The coaches loved it when he just stirred up and get into these fights same thing with the giants jim fossil loved it i mean day one training camp practice one after he ends his holdout him and brandon shore are just rolling around the cafeteria in front of make-a-wish kids there just be- beating <laughs> each other up because uh, jeremy shockey doesn't want to go through the, the elementary like rookie hazing where you have to you know, recite your your fight song and say your signing bonus he didn't have enough you know uh energy for shorts liking and called him B short. And that was one too many B short. So they went at it. And I, I think that, that that's, <laughs> it's, there's a lot of similarities, by the way, not to get off track between like Mike Dicka and Jeremy Shaki, where you could like, they both had to kind of like draw the line in the sand. Like this is how far I'll go. Like I'm at the top of the food chain. Don't mess with me. I'm seeking vengeance. If you do take a cheap shot at me or any of my teammates, it's very primitive. And, and lo and behold, there's a kid here in Buffalo, Rob Gronkowski, who's looking up to Jeremy Shockey and basically kind of took this model, you know, shoved it into a cannon, lit the fuse and became the greatest tight end ever. But I, I just feel like what kind of gets lost and people will, will figure it out when they read that chapter in, in the blood and guts. Yeah, he, he partied hard. He hooked up with a lot of girls. Didn't really, you know, no girlfriends. And you're probably not staying for breakfast because he's got things to do. He's got to work out. You know, he's not getting tied down. He said, he said, like, there's a lot of teammates, you know, talking about all their girl problems and cheating on their wives and creating all this drama. He didn't want any of that. And that's the thing with him. Like, I think we kind of misconstrued it. Shockey as this party animal who was like unhinged. No, like he, he wasn't tied down. Like he worked his ass off in a million ways. If he did drink, if he did go out, he'd almost feel guilty about it and wake up and do, you know, 70 push-ups or sit-ups or whatever. So I, I think that, you know, that, that live like there's no tomorrow, but play like there's no tomorrow aspect to Jeremy Shockey is what uh, people find really fascinating. Now, you know, what's crazy is Gronk did the same thing. Like after he went out with his brothers or did something crazy the night before, um, the next morning he's doing P90X insanity workout. Like it's, mm. they've got like this thing in their brain where they feel guilty almost for having a good time. And I think that's kind of what makes some of the greats. Like there's probably a lot of guys that, that didn't have that aspect. They, 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 they partied hard, but they didn't really have that that shred of guilt, like, oh my God, okay, now I got to run through a wall the next day. By the way, that, that, that make a wish is awesome. Uh, that's the best part. Yeah. I want to go to the giants facility, but I want to see a brawl while I'm there. I was going to say, if I, if I, if making make a wish came to me, I'd be like, yeah, I want to (laughs) see like, uh, you know, it's, it's like, okay, cute. You want to go to Eagles practice? It's like, no, I want to see like Nick Sirianni and, and, and Shane Steichen, like, you know, fight each other in the practice field or something like that. Like, I want to see something totally wild. Um, 
All right, Gary, you get a you get a tight end now. Well, let's. Uh, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna fly right by Gronk. Maybe we'll get to Gronk later. Uh, I'm gonna ask about Tony Gonzalez, who uh, I think in a lot of people's minds, especially uh, with his career on TV now, is is probably a little more of a uh, you know you, you'd say polished, maybe maybe uh, mainstream appeal to him. That's definitely the way uh, I, I was approaching it at first. I, I thought, okay, what, what am I going to hear from Tony Gonzalez that we don't know? Right? There's been documentaries. There's been a million stories written. We see him on TV all the time. He is so polished. Um, half of me expected just kind of like the talking points to kind of start recycling. Mm-hmm. And then we actually got together in, in Austin, Texas, and he's telling stories I've never heard in my life. I don't think anybody's ever heard. I mean, he brings it all the way back to his his childhood when he was almost afraid of his own shadow, and, and he hated football. He hated getting hit and how he had to kind of overcome that fear within of being – I mean, he called himself a pussy. He said, I was just scared of everything, <laughs> ghosts, ites. You know, I, I'm getting pushed around like he had bullies that were playing mind games with him his whole life. He, he had to overcome so much fear deep inside of him at that point, even in college, a fear of, of failure when he's kind of going out too much and into the NFL. But I, I think what was new to Tony Gonzalez, and you know, we ran part of this right at, at Sports Illustrated as an excerpt, but how he really did force the league to evolve, I, I think is almost worthy of him being the greatest of, of all time. I, I, probably it's Rob Gronkowski, but I mean, Tony can absolutely mm-hmm. stick that claim because of it's so symbolic of the NFL at large where he, here's somebody doing the kind of stuff that the position had never seen the game had never seen, um, you know, down the field, just plucking footballs, the top guys heads, contorting his body in possible angles. It doesn't matter if it's a corner or a safety, a linebacker schematically as a tight end, he he's a matchup nightmare against anybody. And the NFL just, nobody could wrap their heads around it. He was such a basketball player still. Yeah, I think most yep. coaches and scouts and GMs still look at that position as, okay, you block first. And everything else is kind of extra. So in Kansas City, you know, the greatest show on turf offense arrives. Dick Vermeil, Trent Green, Al Saunders. And he's told day one, look, this is about the wide receivers. This offense, Trent Green told him, is, we hate to break it to you, but you're not going to be doing the kind of stuff you did with Jimmy Ray moving you all over the place, mm-hmm. which is just insane to think about because he puts up the numbers, <laughs> he makes the Pro Bowls, and they have Eddie Kennison and Johnny Morton. I mean, that. Yep. all right, good luck with that. So they had one good year. Their defense stunk, um, so they didn't win anything. And then, obviously, it really comes to a head in Atlanta with Mike Malarkey, an old-school player at tight end, an old-school coach. He viewed the tight end as a player who was in line, blocking, you know, getting one last shove in after the whistle, playing through the echo of the whistle, all of that stuff. And he didn't want Tony Gonzalez. Tony Gonzalez didn't understand why Atlanta even traded for him when they're watching film of Mark Bruner just beating the hell out of people in the run game. And that's day <laughs> one with Mike Malarkey. Like, this is what you are going to be for me. Mm-hmm. And he just forced the league to evolve to a point where, yeah, I mean, they almost went at it in the locker room in Tampa. He's stuck at 999 career receptions, and Mike is not calling to play for him. Uh, Tony was not happy about it, so <laughs> <laughs> he almost he. I mean, Tony Gonzalez says he had to be held back. He was ready to throw punches in that locker room. Mike Malarkey told me that's a lie. 
but in so many words, Mike also said I was I was ready, you know, to fight if need be. <laughs> uh, so I think it was, you know, almost physical. It just blows my mind, guys. I mean, like we, we see it today still. The fact that the entire league passed on Lamar Jackson to just to just not accept this transcendent elite talent for what he is and build around that instead of trying to always stick square pegs into round holes like this league does. It's at least at the tight end position, Tony forced the league to then give Antonio Gates a shot out of Kent State when he didn't play down. Jimmy Graham is a third-round pick after catching like 17 balls in one year of college football to the point where if you're not chasing this hybrid basket, basketball-ified tight end, you're missing out. Like you better find an athletic freak out there. Um, I mean, he opened up so many doors. The, the, the 6'5 power forward too short for the NBA – is just right to dominate a tight end in the NFL. He just smashed that door wide open. Mm-hmm. Mike Malarkey, one of my favorite coaches because he looks like Kevin Costner. Uh, he does. Doesn't he? he? Does. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it, I just, I feel like I'd, I'd want him to, uh, to ask me if I wanted to have a catch by a cornfield whenever I see him. <laughs> And uh, that, that's some, that's some Marone thing. vibes too, there, Connor. Ooh. Some major Marone vibes. That's another podcast. Uh, too too much uh, too much too much heat there. Um, for for two uh, former Syracuse, oh three former. I for, oh geez, everybody here graduated from Syracuse. Just because I went there in the forties, you guys keep on uh, excluding me from this. Yeah, so so Gary covered Tom Coughlin uh, as a player, Kyler, which is uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, what you were nine? I was, I was thinking John Mackey actually. Uh, yeah, no, I I was. Were you Donovan? I was, uh, no, uh, I, I, oh yeah, I, I was there for two years at Donovan, and then two years at Troy Noons. Oh, nice! Classic. All of it, all of the <laughs> Troy Noons. All yeah, the best. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge, or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what so. I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? Because he didn't need it. <laughs> 
<laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL Schedule Release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Can I put one that's not on the list? I'm messing this up, but I really want... Okay. Um, I want to hear your best Mike Ditka story, because I just feel like... That guy's got to be goddamn hilarious. <laughs> he is. Even though he uh, he doesn't move like he once moved, right? He's got the walker, but he's still at the golf course, man, in his back room with his cigar, with his, with his buddies playing cards. And, God, Mike Dicka. You know what's crazy is his mind is still so sharp. I mean, really, he's in his mid-80s. He hasn't, he hasn't played in decades upon decades yet he can remember specific moments in his life in his career that made him the best mike dickus story um you know what not not to get all serious and all dark but like i don't think many people know how everything could have ended for mike dicka i mean he he had a good career with the bears uh, but he's flirting with the afl he's ticking off george hallis and Hallis trades him to Philadelphia. I mean, his his life just fell apart the second year with the Eagles. He called it purgatory on earth. He's he's depressed. They're they're losing every game just about. Um, he's not playing well. He's banged up from all the collisions that he absorbed and inflicted with the Bears. But he would just go out downtown Philly, just drink his face off. You know, not know even not not know how he got back home when he woke up the next day in a haze he couldn't even separate what was real from what was fantasy like he just he was in such a bad place where it really took a phone call from tom landry to save his life i mean after that season he drove home and he was ready just to give up football he had no idea what he was going to do next and landry called because he had one good game against the cowboys and landry thought okay here's a leader who's been in the game maybe he can give us something as a blocker that they had been knocking on the door for a while uh, hadn't been able to bust through, so they thought Dicka could be the guy that gets him over the hump, and he was. I mean, he he spoke up in front of the whole team. Um, they get to the Super Bowl, he catches a, a touchdown in the Super Bowl, and it just blows my mind to think, like, man, if Landry doesn't call Mike Dicka, like, we do we ever even hear much from him? I mean, he that's wild, <laughs> it, right? He he wins the Super Bowl in Dallas, then he's a coach with Dallas, and. Um, I mean, when he was a special teams coordinator, he was insane. Like he, he would, I can't remember who it was. Um, God, but like in his, in at practice, he would treat like every opponent, like it was life and death. This is the best special teams unit we faced all year. And the guys are, 
thinking to themselves, like, didn't you just say that last week? But he's so intense all the time. Eventually he gets back to Chicago, you know, the 85 Bears. He's a broadcaster. He's in kicking and screaming. He's larger than life, right? Like he's a silhouette logo for the NFL. He's Jerry West. And none of that happens if Landry doesn't call Mike Dicka when he's at his lowest point, which is just insane to me. And as people will see, not to get ahead of myself, but Landry placed a call to Jackie Smith, you know, not, not long after that call to Dicka. Jackie Smith goes to Dallas and, you know, his life changes for the worse. You know, right. Where he, he, look, he loved that year in Dallas at 38 years old, called it the most rewarding year of his career, but obviously he drops the pass in the Super Bowl and, Sadly, you know, unjustly, that's how a lot of people remember Jackie Smith when he was so much more than that. Yeah. Well, let's do Jackie Smith then. Jackie Smith, man. It's hopefully people read the blood and guts and really come away with a different vision for, you know, who Jackie Smith was. Because you hear that name and you think 1979, a drop in the end zone. Jackie Smith kind of levitating off the turf. I mean, Ben Baskin wrote the excellent story for you guys. It was un- unbelievable. Um, I mean, the Vern Lundquist call, uh, Tom Landry throwing his head back, you know, Roger Staubach is demonstrative. It's, it's just such a shame how five seconds, right? That play was five and a half seconds can define somebody. And it really took until just a couple years ago for Jackie Smith to look himself in the mirror and get over it. Uh, he, I mean, he's had several different jobs and, he doesn't regret a thing, but, you know, he really let that moment, I think, affect his relationships with his loved ones. You know, he's so close with his kids, with his wife. And, you know, he admitted it took until about, you know, 2020, you know, when he's 79, 80 years old to really have that look in the mirror moment, say, like, get over it. Like you're be, you know, it's you have to somehow move on. And I think he kind of let let it take over his life a little too much. But, yeah, Jackie Smith as a player. I mean, obviously, he's he was an incredible receiver. He just stretched the position out, stretched the game out. Um, his yards per catch is still number one amongst all tight ends ever. Like it's not even close. Wow, which is which is crazy. Um, but he was tough. I mean, my God, I talked to so many players on those St. Louis Cardinal teams, and they said on a team with Conrad Dobler and Dan Deerdorf, and God, the name escapes me. But they had another lineman who competed in the world's strongest man competition. Like Jackie Smith was the dude you did not mess with. I, he was hurt one game in street clothes on the sideline. And uh, a player for the Washington Redskins cheap shot at Terry Metcalf, the running back. Jackie just runs out on the field, street clothes, just to take him out. And they had to hold him back. And the ref thinks it's a crazed fan that ran on the field. Like, who is it? They get, they get him off the field. Oh, man. <laughs> They made him sit in a chair, like down on the sideline. And you fast forward to that off season, Jackie went back to see his mom in Jackson, Mississippi. And his mom said, Hey Jackie, there's a player for the Washington Redskins just moved into the neighborhood. He wants to say hello. And Jackie's thinking, Oh baby, like I'm getting my revenge. <laughs> like this that Jesus Christ himself, like delivered me my vengeance. <laughs> so he goes to the guy's door, literally with a clenched fist behind his back. Mm-hmm. And knocks, and he's ready to knock this guy out. He remember he remembered the guy's number, and so then the guy answered the door. He asked his number. It wasn't that number, and then they just had ah. a lovely chat about football. Like, 
so he's also like the the nicest man. I'm sure Ben would say the same thing. Like one of the nicest human beings you'll ever meet in your life. I, I thought I was sitting down like with my grandfather just over a few beers, which and we, we also talk about how these guys are so beat up like later in life, right? Like Ben Coates and mm-hmm. playing the nineties. Um, he has trouble getting up upstairs in his own home. I mean, here's Jackie Smith still working out constantly on the Stairmaster, you know, wow. free weights like, at 82, at one point he popped off the bar stool and he's like showing me how he ran his routes and kind of redefined the position in that way. Um, I, th- I just think it's worth noting, like, and I, it's, it's terrible what so many of these former players are going through later in life. You feel for them. And then once in a while you, you see a guy like Jackie Smith, whose mind is sharp, his body's sharp. And honestly, I think that's how he bought a big reason he kind of got over that moment finally later in life. He just, by working out, he just feels like he's putting in the work and just, finding a way to kind of put back into life what he's getting out of it. That is interesting. It's something that you don't think about too, right? Is that, you know, yes, there is a lot of this bad, you know, and, but there are also, you know, stories like that where it's like, you know, I don't know. It, it contributes to a really interesting part of your life. You know, it's like, okay, you know, I feel like, you know, overcoming challenges is part of what we do. And gosh, I mean, being the what what did the announcer call him he must be the sickest man in america for that yeah it was uh you know it's pretty incredible um is it my turn gary is it your turn it's it's your turn yeah okay i'm i'm gonna go you mentioned ben Coates a little bit uh that was a guy that uh we had talked about pre-show um that we wanted to figure out what the heck is going on with that guy uh what because gary what you used to sell soda (laughs) In the Foxborough Stadium parking it, lot, it technically goes at my soda. That sounds a little bit like uh, like it was my homemade soda. And I'm just walking around <laughs> Foxborough. Uh, no, no, I, I used to work one of the concession stands when I was in high school. I go up twice a year with uh, with my buddy Mike. Uh, his aunt's church group ran a concession stand. Uh, there's a picture of me somewhere with uh, uh, with a younger Robert Kraft being presented with a giant check, but the check was for a very sad amount. It was like. Seven hundred dollars. It's like this is <laughs> this is all we're getting. Uh, whatever. But Thanks, yes, man. And it, as a uh, as a child of the '90s in New England, uh, Ben Coates was a uh, was obviously the man. I'm picturing you like uh, Happy Gilmore when he's winning like those early <laughs> tournaments, right? He he wanted the big check, even though yep, that <laughs> wasn't a lot. <laughs> you know what? I'm right there with you with Ben Coates. I feel like he is almost forgotten amongst the, the all-time greats you know when he retired only what Kellen Winslow Ozzie Newsome and Jackie Smith had more yards I believe like he, he, wow. he was right there statistically in addition to blocking Bruce Smith Lawrence Taylor Reggie White mm-hmm. one-on-one as he said no backside block I mean he's taking these guys like front side power running plays blocking for Curtis Martin I mean, just ask Curtis Martin what Ben Coates meant to him. I mean, besides, like, Curtis Martin at Pitt was injury prone, missed a lot of games, and then he's playing with Ben Coates, and he's seeing his ankle so damn swollen he can't even wear shoes around the facility. He sees Sam Gass with a broken toe so deformed he had to you know cut a hole in his cleat so it sticks straight up, and he cut practicing. <laughs> and Curtis Martin's like, yeah, I'm going to play on through this ankle injury. <laughs> wow. So that, there's that effect with, with Ben Coates and co. Um, and it's just – you know, he was tough as hell. He missed two games, one because his mom died, the other because of a high ankle sprain, which, as you know, can keep guys out weeks, months. And he, he's played on through everything. 
Bill Parcells kept drafting tight ends, and he was well aware, and he wanted to fend off these guys at every turn, put up great numbers as a receiver. We just don't hear about him because he's not on TV, right? Like, he's not on NFL Network. He's not on ESPN. He doesn't give a damn. He's not going to be like Drew Pearson, like shedding tears to get into the Hall of Fame. He he Mm -hmm. poked a little fun at him. Like, he's he's not just launching campaigns um, because that's not who he is. He he doesn't give a damn. And I, I think that... You know, there's one theme about these tight ends. It's the fact that the position chooses you. Like, you don't choose the position. Nobody is a little kid, unless you're Rob Gronkowski looking up to Jeremy Shockey. Like, you don't dream of being a tight end who has to do a little bit of everything. Um, but you've got a certain set of characteristics that lend itself to playing this position that asks you to do everything. and demands, like, an indomitable work ethic and drive and heart, all that. So Ben Coates, yeah, that was him. I mean, age 7 to 20, he's building roofs with his dad. He's living on the top of a roof. And they didn't have electric guns. It's all hammer. It's throwing shingles over your shoulder, up and down, in the summer heat in the Carolinas. His dad's a World War II vet, right? So there's no, uh, there was no coddling. It was long hours. Even when he went to college, if he was back home, you're on a roof. Uh, both of his brothers fought in the Middle East. Wow. Just an insane work ethic that Ben Coates had. So it was... It was perfect. I mean, when, when New England drafted him and Dante Scarnakia breaks down how he kind of discovered Ben Coates, which is, which is wild, you know, how he even found him. Um, but he was the perfect player for Bill Parcells. I mean, Parcells comes in. He's trying to zap life into this dead franchise. I mean, you know, Gary, like, there's, they were one of the cheapest teams, if not the cheapest in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You got to check out for a pair of socks. Like, the locker room's leaking. The indoor bubble is even 100 yards. It's it's a mess, but Ben Coates doesn't get, he didn't care. Like with where he came from and how hard he worked and him and Bill Parcells were, I mean, they were meant to be like Parcells is finding players, you know, for, for missing anything and being overweight. Uh, Andre Tippett, you know, was fine for being a little overweight, I believe. And he's like the best player on the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coates loved it all. And I hope we don't forget those Patriots. Right. I mean, we yeah. remember Brady and Belichick and, and all the Super Bowls that, that will live forever, but, where the franchise was early nineties to craft behind the team parcels coaching and, and Bledsoe and Coates coming in. That was quite a transformation. It was, it was where the trajectory started and then you can build up to the, to the rest of the stuff where you're winning the Super Bowls. Oh totally, man. Totally. Well, Ty, yeah. thanks. Thanks for coming by. Uh, we, we have homework for all the, all the listeners now uh, write it down or do it right now. First thing you have to do, uh, the blood and guts, how tight ends save football, uh, order it because if you order the physical copy, it's going to take a little bit of time to arrive at your house and whatnot. Uh, the other thing you have to do, golongtd.com. That is Ty's, uh, website and newsletter. I get it in my inbox, get it however you want, but you can, you can get that right away. So do that second. Uh, but do those two things. Uh, Ty, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming by. Thanks buddy. Thank you, guys. Lo- loved hanging out. Wish we could do it all day. Anytime you want me to come back on, I'll come back here to Fatty Beer and throw back. Here with <laughs> Thanks so much. That was awesome. All right. The MMQB NFL podcast is Connor Orr and me, Gary Gramling. We are produced by Shelby Royston. SI's executive producer of podcast is Scott Brody. And our senior podcast producer is Dan Bloom. 
Mark Ravick is Emeritus Editor of the MMQB Super Bowl Champion. Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this feed on Apple Podcasts. And once you do, please leave a rating and review. It really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.